Just a quick note before the episode begins, the PIP podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a doctor or health professional. Welcome to the PIP podcast, where we speak unapologetically about everything that affects people with uteruses. Funky poops, periods, chronic pain, you name it. PIP is here to talk about it all with plenty of laughs. So let's get Pippin. Welcome to our first episode of the PIP podcast. We're so excited. I'm your host, Veronica. I'm your other host, Amanda. And we are so excited that we are finally able to record our first full episode. Today, we're just going to talk about ourselves, pip why we wanted to start pip in the podcast and yeah have you get to know us a little bit yeah we're super excited we've been waiting uh, a long time to do this so let's Mm. go let's get started let's get started so as i said i'm veronica i am the founder of pip if you follow our tiktok you'll already know my face and my voice from our some of our videos and joined by my bestie Amanda my co-host I'm so happy you're doing this with me (laughs) I think that we should probably talk about how we know each other give people you know the scoop who we are yeah yeah totally the vibe work friends that yeah. were on like a week-long work vacay and yeah. had so many tummy struggles so many tummy struggles so many poop stories so many uterus troubles <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah like the both of us just like at the buffet like you could just this <laughs> anxiety wash over us being like uh okay we gotta sit exactly. in a room with a hundred people after with, a buffet meal <laughs> exactly so yeah so Amanda and I we actually we met working which is so funny because we could not have more different actual like educational and career backgrounds so oh, yeah. I don't think we'll typically drop what we do for actual physical livings until pip is like massive and we can quit our jobs because <laughs> that's the vibe but so you know yeah that'd be sw- sweet yeah <laughs> I would love that. that's the goal that's the goal um but yeah so I'm actually a lawyer which is um I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> it depends on who I'm talking to but I'm a lawyer and I started working for a not-for-profit and then within, I think a couple of weeks, you started working there too, right? You started. Yeah. We started like a month after time. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a social worker. So, um, our past kind of cross because of law and social yeah. work. They're, exactly. They're Very much. Exactly. So. <laughs> and so the not-for-profit we were working for, Um, We ended up having to do a lot of work together for the justice side of law and for more of like the human side of law and working with women who are in the court system. And we super quickly kicked it off, even though we live somewhat far from me, not super far. I mean, Canada is pretty big. We both live in Ontario. Six hours of driving, though. Like it's not like a day trip. No, 
<laughs> exactly. So I'm like Toronto based, Amanda's Ottawa based. And so we would talk almost every single day online for work. And then we would slowly mm-hmm. start to talk online just because we were like, we are the same person. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you my twin? Where how are you literally my, my twin? Where have you been my whole life? <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, we went to uh, the not-for-profit we worked for has a conference every year in, in the city. And so Amanda was down for it. I was there for it. We were already like work besties. And then that really blew up like personal besties because I like to do this thing when I talk about all of my issues <laughs> yeah, and how fucked up my digestive tract is, my uterus, you name it. I like to call them TED Talks. So mm-hmm. I gave Amanda uh, probably too many TED Talks for people who were supposed to be on a Meanwhile, we were like but sitting we in our sweatpants. Her hotel room. <laughs> yeah, we would, after the days, because this was a multi-day conference, we were there for like multiple days. We would mm-hmm. go for dinner somewhere that we could both eat without tummy problems. And then we would. Which was like where no one wanted to go. Exactly. By the way, <laughs> like I have celiac disease and everybody's like, let's go to the spaghetti factory. And I'm like. Can't. But also ew, the old spaghetti factory. If you're a Toronto person or you've been there, you know, like it's not the vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> as a Toronto girl, I was taking Amanda to like the good places in the city to eat. And then we would. We would or would not, up to your interpretation, maybe have a little too much rosé wine and then continue that (laughs) into the hotel room afterwards in our PJs, just having these TED Talks. And I was diagnosed with endometriosis last January, January 2022. And this was in like the summer of 2022. So I had been like working through that over the last few months plus all the other issues we're going to talk about we both have in common. And it really became for me, like, if I'm going to make a space that's safe for people to feel whether they have any chronic illness or one that we have, but Mm -hmm. also is like funny and fun and like has dank memes and educational (laughs) videos. Honestly, you can't be, you can't be too serious. You can't be too serious. And like, that's what for me anyways, is really lacking in like the space on social media for chronic illness. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, this like low key sucks. I should just make my own. Is that a vibe or not? I also was like working through like the secondhand embarrassment of like, do I want to like try and become an influencer? And I wanted to make a (laughs) podcast and I just kept thinking about all of our Ted talks. And we always joked that we would start the poop diaries where you could yeah. talk about all of our crazy poop stories. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be like, yo, you want to do this with me? And he said, straight up did. Yeah. I she's like, up hey, did. you want to make those TED Talks a reality? Like poo diaries. <laughs> you want to make that a thing? Obviously, we're not poo diaries, but like it kind of is our poo diaries. It's our own personal poo diaries. And yeah. it's been transformed into the pip <laughs> podcast so yeah yes. that's kind of like a bit of the vibe the background so you know but yeah so let's maybe t- tell a little bit more about our background so people understand why we have the, the ted talk poo diaries <laughs> yeah for sure um well i've been celiac for 
2011, 12, 10, 11 years wow. I've been celiac for um, getting to my diagnosis, which we'll talk about a later time was really, really trying. Um, I was very sick. And then uh, basically celiac diagnosis saved my life, but there's also some other things that are going on with me and my stomach. And I was on birth control for many years and then being off birth control, I have been come, became more like attuned to my body and realized like maybe my periods aren't normal because the pain I'm experiencing is not normal. And maybe all this like stomach pain and like the constant, like diarrhea explosions are not normal either. <laughs> poop diaries. <laughs> yeah. Poop diaries. Thank you. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, I think you should go ahead and tell your story now too. Cause like, yeah. I think that pretty much sums it. Eh? Like, yeah. Like our digestive tract sucks. So I'm not celiac <laughs> yeah. actually one of the only food groups I can eat that doesn't fuck me up is <laughs> carbs and gluten. Like if I was that too, I don't know what I would do because it's one of the only things uh, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that yeah. would not be fair. I'd be like, okay, like I know, something's right? Gotta give. Something's gotta give. And luckily I can eat bread. But it's it's interesting because my older sister and my mom are both uh, gluten intolerant. They're not full mm-hmm. celiac, but they have gluten intolerances. And I'm like, thank God I don't have that. I have everything else, but I'm like, no. Uh, for me, bread is life. I would die without it. <laughs> because I can't yeah. eat anything well, else. Well, especially with like endo, you need to be able to eat something because all the exactly. GI upset and everything. Exactly. So for me, I guess, it honestly, for me, like my story goes back to being like a preteen And I was, I didn't get my first period until like pretty late in comparison to majority of girls. I remember being in like grade seven and eight and everyone getting their periods and I didn't have one yet. My sister, Mm -hmm. my one sister is two years older than me. She had her period and probably going into grade eight. I had my period at a girl's grade, I think she was turning 10 barbecue. Jesus too early. Christ. Yeah, I was wearing this white suit from Gap. Why is it always going to be the white pants? <laughs> always. No, always. I wasn't like, I was like, I can't really think of the ages you are in certain grades, but I, I, I was like so a little to too think. old. I know that some people get it even later, but I got my first period like go the summer or the spring like leaving grade eight, but then I didn't get it again for almost two years. Mm. So, and I remember my mom being like, oh yeah, some, when you get your first period, some girls like don't get it again for a few months. That's normal. But it was like, not just a few months. Like it was minimum a year, if not more. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's a long time ago, but red flag for sure though. Red flag, red flag, (laughs) red flag, flag. especially because I grew up being like having two sisters, my mom being very open about health and bodies. And it was never weird. Like bodies were not weird for me growing up. Health was not weird. So my mom openly talked about her period, her siblings and her mom's issues with periods like forever. But my whole life, my mom was always like, oh yeah, I can tell you to the date and the time 
when I will get my period every month. So I thought that was normal. Like I thought it was supposed to be like clockwork. And my (laughs) older sister was pretty regular. I think like a normal regular, not as much as my mom. She was like a type and everything, including like getting her her (laughs) fucking period on time to the point where she like scheduled her wedding around it. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought was like normal. And then that was very much not for me. And I was like, there has to be something wrong with me. I would go, once I started getting it into high school, I would, I think the longest I went between periods was six months after like the year and a half or so from my first one, like once I actually started yeah, to get what were your periods like at that time? Like just to kind of give people an idea. It's hard to remember because like that was a really long time ago. It's a, yeah, it was a long time ago, but um, my periods have always been super erratic and very short very short, like, which is interesting because, you know, later in life I was diagnosed with endometriosis and typically a symptom of endometriosis is like long, heavy periods. And that was not the case for me. It would be honestly, sometimes two days and that would be it. And it would be like, I could wear like a panty liner majority of it when I was younger. So it was like average three months to get it. Um, and so at 17, which was honestly by 17, I had maybe only had like <laughs> all in total what an average person would have had in like a year and a half. And that was like, what, four or five years. That'd be so hard to plan for. Like, yeah, not that like you need it- to plan, plan around your period, but like if you have PMS symptoms, like I know I do, I mm-hmm need to try and like plan my work schedule around that. Like I'm not going to do like out out for eight hours on the road of driving or anything Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) Yeah. I was super athletic. Like I I played very high level sports. And so I remember when I was still younger, they were like, oh, it's just because you're really athletic. That's why like sometimes young girls who play really high level sports don't get their periods all the time. That's kind mm-hmm. of what it was sort of dismissed as. And then as I got older and like, like older myself and started to be like, okay, I don't think this is the vibe. Like this is weird. And yeah. then I was starting to get a lot of tummy problems. I was told I was lactose intolerant. I had, was diagnosed with IBS. Um, I started to just like develop like sensitivities to a lot of things. Um, And so I went to my doctor at 17 and he was like, okay, you have this thing called PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put you on birth control to like regulate your acne. Cause I had such bad acne. Holy shit. I had to go on Accutane. Like it was Uh, not nice. If anybody's ever heard of Accutane, it's like a really intense acne medication that's prescription only. And Mm -hmm. it's, uh, like it's strong enough that it will kill a, like a fetus. Yeah. You have to get it's blood very work intense. every month. And until they see what your blood results are, you are not allowed to take your next dose. Um, mm-hmm. Like my sister, my little sister went on Accutane too, and she started to have like kidney failure. So she had to come off of it. I yeah. luckily being on Accutane, I was actually pretty good. I, I enjoyed Some people get really bad symptoms of depression. As yeah. Well my sister did Accutane. too. And they didn't want to, 
at first put me on Accutane because I have I, not so much anymore as I'm older, but at that time I had really bad anxiety um, because of some weird shit that was going on at like the workplace I was at as a teenager. I worked in the restaurants and just like playing such high level sports. Were you on sports. birth control when you were experiencing that anxiety? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because like, that's a whole other topic. On that's own. a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. So my doctor was like, okay, I'm going to put you on birth control for your regular periods for your, I'll help with your acne. Um, And then Whenever Which you it want does, to like for PCOS. Yeah, but, but I still have to go on Accutane while Yeah, so you're like doubling up on all these drugs uh-huh. that are like during your peak stages of development. Yeah. Too. And like no shade against my doctor because I love my family doctor. He retired mm-hmm. last summer and I cried. I was so upset because I loved uh-huh. him so much. He delivered me and my sisters. I had him my whole entire life. I love him. And like when I look back at like, it was like the two, like the early 2010s, like every, this is what the doctor, not even like, this is what doctors did, right? You put you on birth control and they're like, once you want to have a baby, we'll talk about what's going on. So I remember just yeah, I like why look at fertility until right? you're having a baby. And I was playing high level sports. I was going to be, you know, graduating high school soon, going into my undergrad. Like I was like, yes, put me on birth control. Mm-hmm. So I remember leaving, it was in the winter. Because I remember distinctly leaving the office, walking to my car and calling my mom and telling her that he put me on birth control pills for the acne and the irregular periods, blah, yada, yada, yada. Flash forward to 2018. <laughs> um, I wanted to switch to an IUD because I was like, about to get I was like gonna be getting well, married the IUD too. is just like wait oh drop my mic way more <laughs> con- convenient right like it you is don't have to worry yeah and I at that point I was like planning my wedding I was uh, about to be graduating law school and I was like hey I want to switch the IUD I want to start to take my PCOS seriously right like I was like life planning I'm like I'm an adult uh, yeah. So I talked to my doctor and um, also in the midst of all of these years, I was diagnosed with chronic migraines. So I was averaging at the peak five to eight migraines a month. Yeah. yeah also so taking medication? I'm on, I have been on medication for my migraines for like over four years. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't had a knock on wood. I've had a migraine in mm, over a year, probably. I love the medication I'm on. It slaps. Um, so this is <laughs> yeah, all I have what was good going on. Medication too. It yeah, works. it slaps. I have a DNA <laughs> yeah. medication and I have emergency medication, but I haven't had to take my emergency medication in two years. Um, wow, so incredible. it slaps. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to switch to an IUD. And my doctor was like, well, this might make your migraines worse. Heads up. So let's make sure we have the right medication for you for your migraines first. Figured out the right pill. I tried a couple of different medications for migraines, found the one I liked, found the dose that worked for me. And then he was like, mm-hmm. okay, I feel comfortable now switching you to an IUD. Switch to an IUD. Holy, oh, first of all, we, we can talk a whole episode about IUD insertions and we shall because yeah. that fucking <laughs> sucks. And your story with IUDs is crazy. <laughs> the doctor with a shaky hand. <laughs> Literally, I, it was awful. I, it's so painful, but I got one. 
And um, I had to get the non-copper because I have a copper allergy. So they couldn't give me the copper one, which is less common anyway. So I had the, I, I think it was the called- copper IUD. I, yeah. But that's because when I changed the IUD, I was didn't want to be on hormonal supplements because yeah. I wanted to get a feel for my period because I had been on birth control since I was 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time. <laughs> it is a long time, but I could only do the hormonal one. So I went on it. And besides how painful it was, the first six months was amazing. Yeah. I lived my best life. I got married. I, I graduated law school. That was not my best life. That was awful. Writing the bar exam. Do not recommend. Don't do it. And then I got married the same week. Don't recommend that. But outside of that, like it was amazing. I was, I had no issues. My tummy mm-hmm. was good. Like I was like, no migraines. I was glowing. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever fucking yeah, done. Probably and like I was a like, lot less everyone too. Oh yeah. I was snatched. I was like, everybody should get an IUD. Everybody should get an IUD. Um, IUD get it. That was short lived. So I started articling uh, that same year out of law school. And within the first few months of starting the articling, I started to get really intense pain in like my ovaries and my uterus. And I would start dry heaving randomly in the middle of the day. I started getting really dizzy, like just a spew of garbage. And I what had thought that it was just the PCOS. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember Googling being like, what's, can you get cramps with an IUD? And it was like, yes, you can. And I was like, okay, okay, maybe it's just that my body's just getting used to it. It's, you know, it's still like coming, still coming down from the actual birth control pills with the switch from being on that for like almost 10 years. Yeah. And then um, one day after articling after work, I, the pain was so bad. I was like, I don't, so I think I'm, I have an ectopic pregnancy. Like that's what I thought because of the pain where it was. So yeah, my husband takes me to emerge and I'm sitting there at the triage and it was a male nurse. And I, he was like, Hey, what brings you in? I'm like, I'm having intense pain on my left ovary. Yeah. He looked me dead in the eye and goes, how do you know it's your ovary? And I'm a fucking, Oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> how do you know if it's your left fucking testicle bitch? And I was like, ready to like pop off and bees like standing over me, like grabbing my shoulders being like, you're fine. Calm down. And I was like, how the fuck do you know if it's your test? What a stupid fucking question. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. So then they do all these tests. Do you want me to, to punch your left testicle? To Literally. I'm like, no. I will show you. So that was so stupid, but whatever. They were like, okay, they do all these tests. They do the ultrasound and everything. And they're like, oh, you mm-hmm. have like a dermoid cyst. That's nothing we can do for it. Take Tylenol if the pain is too bad and it'll just go away. And I was like, okay. Thanks. Um, Weird. It was four years of that. And every, it would, every, it was almost like every month the symptoms got worse and worse and worse to the point where, you know, almost three years later, when I was finally diagnosed with endometriosis, it was, uh, I couldn't stand. And I, the pain was in my butt, down my legs. I couldn't feel my toes. I was, it looked like I was six months pregnant. I was so swollen. 
And it got to a point where I would stop going to the hospital because I knew that they were just going to be like, oh, you, you have a functional cyst. Yeah, you're tired blah, 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 of blah, it. Blah, blah. And I was like, this is not normal. So I would just like not go unless the pain really changed or was really bad. Like one of the times I went is because they thought one ruptured and like I would have like uh, tube torsion so that when the cysts are really big, they can flip your, your tube. Yeah, so that was happening. Tube. Um, So it was, it was close to four years of that having them on both ovaries to finally be told, Oh, you have bilateral endometriomas and they're about four inches in size each. And I was like, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, Question mark? Yeah. A year before I was diagnosed, I got my IUD out and it, those, all those cysts and symptoms skyrocketed. They went on steroids and it was like a whole, almost a whole year of being no more estrogen fucked. delivery, keeping things at bay. Well, their endometriosis is estrogen dependent. So I don't know the real physiology of it, but as soon as I got the IUD out, I was downright fucked. Like mm-hmm. it was that, that last year of it was like every single month I was worse. I was getting more symptoms. I couldn't do anything. I I couldn't work out. And like, I was an athlete my whole life. And up until then I was still playing competitive women's traveling sports. And I played sports in my undergrad. I was a varsity athlete. Like I had like goals of playing sports yeah, forever. You right. Can't when you're in that, much I couldn't, pain. I couldn't, no. it was so bad. I just think about all the other women around the world that have similar kind of like stories to you and myself is like when they stop taking birth control, they start to notice like, yeah, Hey, like things are not okay. And like, I think that's a very common story for a lot of people. Um, and another thing too, like, um, with like skipping, well, birth control can help you skip your period. I definitely Mm -hmm. like to, talk about some of those TikToks oh, that we've my been God. seeing yes. on the webs. So well, on the TikToks. <laughs> as soon as we decided to launch PIP, and I guess I'll say too, so PIP, which is Periods and Pain, is mm-hmm. a blog. So we have a website, www.periodsandpain.ca. We have Instagram. Every Sunday. Every Sunday we have a new blog post. Um, so that's like, the website is very education-based. Mm-hmm. And then our Instagram and our TikTok are education plus stank memes and funny videos. So yeah. a big thing for us was how can we talk about these very real health issues, but also be funny and like laugh and because the yeah. space online is very serious, which is fine. I think that it's rightfully so serious. And a lot of these Instagram serious issue and like is. chronic illness shouldn't be ignored. No, a hundred percent. But also they're like very personal people's personal mm -hmm. blogs on social media, which I think is a really great way for a lot of people to digest and cope with what they have going on and like no shade to that. But like, it's just not truly the vibe for me. Like I want to laugh at my symptoms while also talking about them seriously. So yeah, like how else do you really get through it? Exactly. And for us, me and you, all we do is tell our stories and like piss our pants laughing because (laughs) we'll relate to each other like shitting our pants because we ate something that didn't sit right with our IBS or whatever (laughs) it is. Right. And like laugh 
through it because I'm a big believer, like laughter is medicine. It can be embarrassing sometimes too. Like when you're experiencing Mm -hmm. these symptoms and like, it can make you feel self-conscious and like the best cure for self-conscious is like a good laugh, a belly laugh with a friend. Yeah. And like kind of owning like, yeah, I can shit my pants and it's fine. Right. And I know it's totally okay. Not everyone's like my bestie shit in her pants over at the toilet six hours away. Literally. It's not even her toilet. (laughs) The other day was a Harvey's toilet. Oh, Harvey's. I fucking oh, love man. Harvey's. Yeah. In my mom's long-term care home, having to flush the toilet four times. <laughs> just, yeah. Not okay. No, not okay. But funny. And I know that not everyone's at that place. And like when I first was diagnosed a year and a little bit ago with endometriosis, I didn't find it funny. I, I was no. low-key, very depressed about it. I, I'm lucky that my doctor sent me to a specialist right away within two months of the diet formal diagnosis. I was seeing a specialist. I feel very lucky because I also have a family doctor who's known me my whole life and he's known about my regular periods and my issues. And right before I was diagnosed, I had called him and was like, okay, this is really bad. We need to do something about it. So, um, I got to see a specialist right away, get put on medication, have a, a a management plan and all of that. So like, I feel lucky in that sense, but I, I think everyone has to come to the laughter part at their own time. It just was faster for me, but I think part of it is because since I was 17, I had a diagnosis. Something was going on. You were fighting. Like, yeah. And I mean, you know, you know, your body, like you're into it you understand your intuitions there. Mm-hmm. And like, if you feel like there's something wrong, like it sucks that we all have to push to get the answers yeah. that we need. Like, but eventually yeah. you do get there and then eventually you get to live oh. some resemblance of a life. Yeah. And hopefully you get to a point where you can laugh about it, <laughs> yeah. whether it's with somebody or just like behind a screen online. So um laugh with us laugh with us that's the whole point but I also grew up like yeah but I like I said I grew up where like we talked about and I think part of it is like having two sisters so you know growing up three girls pretty close in age I mean my our little sister is a bit younger than us but my older sister and I are exactly two years apart almost to the day we did everything at the same time we did everything growing up and grew up playing competitive sports where you're where you're with the same girls from the ages of like 13 to 19 on a close-knit sport team you see five days a week like I was always in spaces where like you just talked about bodies and periods and everything and I think my dad having three girls had no choice but to be comfortable with those types of things um which is interesting because he did not grow up that way but my, I don't know, my family, like we're, we don't, we talk about everything and we don't find it weird. Other people find us weird. They'll be like, like, I remember when B first started to first started dating, he was like, you guys have no filters. Like, do you have no shame to talk about, not talk about certain things with your parents? And I was like, no, it's not weird for us. Um, so I think that's another reason why definitely that would make a huge difference if you have yeah. a, like a family environment where you're comfortable, like talking 
about like your period, your bowel movements, yeah. like, like anything like that. Um, I was like raised by my mom too. And my little sister and I were 17 months apart, like very close in age as well. Mm-hmm. And it definitely like we peed with the bathroom open. And Always. Like, yeah. I still do. I <laughs> yeah, never close so the bathroom I. door. I hate it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> me too. And B now, because we've lived together for so many years, he's fine with it. But for when we first moved in together and we got engaged, he was like, close the door. I was like, why? I'm in my own house. My parents don't close the door when they go to the bathroom. Like no one does. So I think that's also right. I came to like the laughter part really, really fast. But I also Mm -hmm. think it's because I had gone through different diagnoses younger yeah and I'm older PCOS was your like first diagnosis right and then you were also had migraines so migraines IBS you know so if this was you know four years ago it probably would have taken me a little bit longer but I'm like older too right so that's why we wanted to like make these spaces but when we started when we opened our TikTok um it was just a flood, a literal flood of videos of how to get rid of your period. Like how, to st- st- how to stop your period. How to stop your period. <laughs> and I was like, to Amanda, I was like, what the fuck are these? And we yeah. would just continuously send them to each other. And then Amanda found articles written by some somewhat larger news uh, news the atlantic like yeah. a new that's like a pretty big newspaper <laughs> mm-hmm. with articles that say things like it's 2023 do we still need to have a period and no one has to get their period anymore so why do we still get them and that like menstruating is quote unnecessary and yeah. we were like this we have to talk about this we legit we have do. to talk about this so some of these TikToks, and I'm sure if you're on TikTok, you've seen them, are like, this is how I stopped my period by taking liquid ibuprofen and Dude, taking I should shots play of one. lemon juice. Try this TikTok hack on how to stop your period for three hours. Gelatine water plus ibuprofen. Disgusting. Canceling my the appointment by. I think it's lemon juice. Tajin, and uh, I think that's it. But there's the other one too. That's like the Cardi B trend. Mm-hmm. That's gelatin, a pack of gelatin or Jello, and ibuprofen. Who knows the milligram dosage? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people it's with Motrin, which is not ibuprofen. It's a different type of drug all in general. Mm-hmm. And like, what if people are grabbing like 400 milligram Advils and like putting them? Advil is the like the the pharmaceutical company name in front of ibuprofen and they're just like Mm -hmm. taking like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and this gelatin Mm -hmm. that's like over long terms like super bad for your gut ibuprofen's bad for your liver you shouldn't take it unless you need it and it can cause ulcers and so many problems yeah don't be it's it's also like this these trends are not helping with the the fact that like you can have substance misuse that too but also misusing substances whether it's advil or tylenol or something completely else and so but it made us think about 
how we used to do <laughs> similar things. Oh man, but I keep find my it interesting. In, just keep putting it in so I could skip right? my period. It's interesting for me the change in generation. So right, mm-hmm. like these videos are young, younger girls, teenage girls, girls in their early twenties, and um, there is a wave with Gen Z to not just take birth control just because you have a regular periods or something. So not as yeah, many, that awareness is there, like where now, people are just accepting a prescription of birth control. But yeah, like now people mm-hmm. are abusing ibuprofen. Yeah, other things, how we abuse yeah. our birth control. So like on the one side, and it's not to say never take birth control because there are real reasons to take birth control. And there are people who feel way better on birth control and it works for them. So yeah. I think that, you know, there's two sides to every story. Did I need to be put on birth control at 17? Probably not. Probably mm-hmm. not, right? But at the time, that's what do- every doctor did. You have irregular periods, you go on birth control. And that's why there's so Acne, many women our age in, the, in your 30s, yeah, late 20s, early to mid 30s who were on birth control for over 10 years. And now we're starting to realize we have all these issues. So Jen Z's not doing that. And doctors aren't doing that as frequently as they used to mm-hmm. when we were their age. So now it's like, instead of just take not taking your sugar pills and just going on to your next pack of birth control, which I a hundred percent did, we're turning, they're turning oh, yeah, to these the other time. things. So it's like, will we always have a version of this in, in today's yeah, world? Yeah, because like, like I, these I fucking things hope started, not. well, they're started because like people think that period, it, like having your periods gross, like literally yeah. like the, the cardi b thing that she said was like i i did this so i could have sex with my partner which is like, like just have sex with your partner if you think it's gross have it in the shower and damn does sex feel good when you're on a period sometimes <laughs> <laughs> if you just let it happen but also too yeah i mean and i think it depends on who you are and what sex is like for you and what also yeah, your period sure. is like for you but it's like some people depending on how their hormones spike like that's for a lot of women is like their sexy period their, yeah they're feeling good Not me. uh don't fucking touch me yeah but i also like either. i have endometriosis so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking awful for me but so is ovulation for me which is like mm. sucks because that's when you do have those feel good hormones naturally during ovulation. And if you obviously want to have a baby when you got do it. Yeah. But when you, yeah. But that's a whole other story. But yeah, oh, yeah, I just think it's like wild, but it's like, who wants to take a shot of lemon juice? The craziest thing for me and watching, I went, I deep dove. I'm on a spiral and I watched like every single video I could find with, with those hashtags. There are so many. There's so many. And I came to them of doctors telling yeah. them how to do it. This is how you can get rid of your period. And I was There's like, literally this like website I was checking out. It's like all these like natural remedies on like how to stop your period. But then they're like this little disclaimer, like don't do prolonged use, but it's like an average period can last up to seven days. So people are taking two ibuprofen, a, a box of gelatin, Oh my God. For seven days straight to skip their period. Like I, I also think it really doesn't do, especially if you are someone who has like this ethical and moral obligation 
to provide health education and proper health care. If you're telling women and girls to abuse their birth control, to take these crazy things to stop their period, like what? You should yeah. be educating us on why periods aren't gross and why they're necessary and that it's a vital sign. And if you don't have if you don't check these five boxes for your period, that means that there could be something else that's going on that you need to get checked out, right? Like we're not even educating youth on what's a normal period. No, because why would we talk about it? Periods are gross. Exactly. I saw one of these videos where the girl was like going to a concert and she's like, there's no way I want to be having my period during this concert. So I'm going to try this. And I'm just like, but why not? Right. And I understand, trust me, as someone with endometriosis, I understand the pain that can come with your period and that it can yeah. make you bedridden. But I don't think, and this is me presuming, but I don't think people who have endometriosis or adenomyosis or other like issues that make your period unbearable are the ones who are doing this. No, they're not. Because I you know because... for a fact it's not going to work. Because if you can take Tylenol or Advil and your period cramps go away, you don't have endometriosis or adenomyosis, no. right? Because like hardcore painkillers don't work. So it's no, it's literally nothing who, works. <laughs> nothing works as part of the problem. So it's yeah. like these girls who don't even, and again, this is me assuming, but and projecting, but who just think that their periods are gross and like why but I want to go to a Taylor Swift concert on my period. Taylor Swift doesn't fucking know you're bleeding. Guess what? She's probably has a tampon in right now because she gets her period. Yeah. So you're right. Like, and if it's really pains, what you're trying to avoid, this isn't going to do away with the pain and talk about yeah. a pain management plan. First of all, you should see That's your not fucking kill doctor. Your liver. Yeah. And, like, but that gelatin just sitting in your gut over time, uh, like, like short uses of gelatin, like with your like medication are like, okay, because like there has some health benefits, but like you're taking like packages of this shit that makes jujubes. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is not, this is sitting in your gut. I should also say I'm a vegetarian. Well, Yes. That's not true. I am a pescatarian, which means I eat fish. Yum. And a big part of my journey, which I, I hate calling it a journey, but I'm I don't on know. Your journey. I'm on my journey. Um, no, I'm just living my fucking life. Um, was making diet changes. Um, and a big part of that was going vegetarian. Right? I, I like to eat vegan or vegetarian like twice a week healthier on the gro grocery budget. And yeah, like I find sometimes depending on like what I've done for the day, like I don't digest meat as well. Like it sits no, yeah. heavy. I can't. So, um, and this, so my dad's from Italy, which means I grew up eating so many pork products. Like he's from Southern oh, Italy. Yeah. So pinchetta. <laughs> all, oh my God. All the cured meats, right? Like Salted Italian, spicy Italian sausage. Like God bless. Oh, that was my, my favorite thing. That was my favorite thing as a kid growing up. So it's not like I didn't want to eat it anymore, but I kind of like got a little bit grossed out by these documentaries. And I also, the older I got and the more sensitivities I started getting in my digestive tract, it just became like not worth it. 
So no, that I have, have to cut to out eat what makes anyways. you feel good. Yeah. And pork is considered red meat. So I, I had to cut it all out anyways. And then I was like, well, I might as well just not eat poultry too. <laughs> and then I've never looked back. So, but I still eat fish because I love fish. So I'm a pescatarian. I've been a pescatarian for over seven years. So I was going to say that now for when we do talk about things that, you know, but yeah, because restrictive dieting is not good. Scary. And it's a huge thing on social media and the chronic illness space, like for PCOS, it's just so stupid. Like cut out gluten and dairy. Why? There's no connection. If that bothers you, do what's right for you, but don't just tell people for no reason that they shouldn't eat bread because of PCOS. Like, no, um, you should see like a naturopath and get your like allergies tested. Yeah. And see like what actual things you're allergic to before you start like. Or like certain things that you have sensitivities to, because mm-hmm. that's what they can look at at a naturopath yeah. and actually look at that as evidence and see what you can eat and what you can't. Like I have celiac, but like, I also have sensitivities to like corn and like, I can't eat like too many almonds because like that will upset my stomach and, and then like oats, dairy right? and oats. Yeah. yeah. So like this whole like oat milk thing, it's like, I, love I can't milk. have coffee anymore when I go out. It's the cross contamination. Oat milk saved my life. <laughs> I it love is oat so milk. creamy. It's Brad is like it's changer. such a better replacement, and I'm it like, is. I know. Because when I stopped eating, like, okay, I'm one of those people who are like, I'm lactose intolerant, then I eat pizza. However, I can't drink dairy. Yeah, that's uh, you're. I'm asking. Well, like for pizza it. cheese is like delicious it's so good but it's not like full dairy and it's no like it is aged. cooked it's like full of bacteria yeah that like changes kind of like chemical structure like I can't drink milk either but oh man some milk and gluten-free Oreos <laughs> the tummy cramps sometimes oh my god I love that <laughs> Yeah. But I think too, like all of this to say that a huge reason this podcast and creating our social medias and just PIP in general is to be like, can we cut the bullshit out? Like, why are we telling? And I've been saying women and girls, but obviously not just women and girls have periods and have uteruses. And that's a huge also part of the broader conversation about menstrual health. Yeah. We're talking about people that were like born with a uterus. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big thing that we, we do on PIP and like some, I think we should, can still call it women's health while also recognizing that it extends to people who aren't women and don't identify as women and non-binary folks, all of that. But when we're looking at these types of things on social media or these articles and just like stigma in general about Mm -hmm. women's health, about periods, about chronic illness as it applies to women, these things are like targeting the youth. They're targeting preteens, teenagers, girls in their young 20s. And we were victims of it too when it comes to us abusing our birth control when we were younger. Oh, oh, definitely. I never took the sugar pills. This bitch went right to the next pack because like, why would I want to have a period? Also, 
it's not until I was older and off birth control that I learned it wasn't actually a real period I was having while I was on birth control. So, and also like some of these symptoms, like instead of looking them as like, just like a woman problem in part in particular and prescribing birth control, like maybe you just like, look at the whole picture of things because like root causes. Yeah. Right. Like acne, that's a big reason why women are prescribed birth control at an early age. Like I was prescribed birth control before I had sex because of painful period and yeah. because of acne. I had Me terrible too. acne. Yeah. My brother acne, like used to be called periods. pizza face. Like it was oh, genetic, no. man. Like mm. maybe look into my family history and be like, yeah. girl, like, let's try this. Like, let's try prescription face wash yeah. and retinol creams. Yeah. How about let's Instead take a giving blood you this test. Drug. Let's do a blood analysis and see what your hormone levels are. Yeah. Because like with PCOS. Like why is this little girl having painful periods? Yeah. And a lot of it is estrogen and testosterone imbalances. Now as an adult going through with all these diagnoses and, you know, trying to get in front of it. That's what I also do. Like I go see a specialist who puts a shot in my ass cheek (laughs) to stop my endometriosis from growing. And then two days later, I go to my osteopath. And then a week later, I go see my natural path who gives me acupuncture and tells me what supplements to take. And a real talk, feel, this isn't an option for everybody, right? Like, no, absolutely growing up with not. celiac and like, I like grew up super poor without like money to afford tampons and without money to afford like eating healthy mm-hmm. or even eating gluten free. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am lucky that I grew up with my dad having enough, making enough income that my mom could eat gluten free. She could yeah. get, you know, spelt pasta and stuff. Um, especially as I got a little bit older, mm-hmm. but of course that's not the case for everybody. And both my parents grew up very poor. So my mom having all these digestive problems her whole life, as soon as she could afford it, she prioritized it because she was the same as you growing up. Like there, they went to the food bank. There was no way yeah. that she, she could eat. The food bank now has gluten-free, gluten-free pasta. But like it definitely did not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if she didn't eat the bread at the table that her mom made because it hurt her tummy, she got the belt <laughs> strap. Eat your bread, right? Yeah. So I was lucky to have to and privileged to grow up with being able to economically afford those things, being able to have Western medicine and naturopathic medicine meet each other halfway and living a life now as an adult where I can afford to continue to do those things, right? I have very good insurance, so I can see my osteopath and I can see my natural path once a month. It's covered by my insurance, but also I can, I recognize that if it wasn't, I would still be able to afford it. Yes. And like, that's not the option. That's not the option for everybody. And even birth control is not the option for everybody to return to that, right? Like, I had it covered under my dad's insurance as a kid when I was on it. I had my IUD covered under my the school. IUD and- is like $500. It's $500. Healthcare insurance. But when I got, it was the last thing I did before I came off my dad's insurance because I got to stay yeah, on my dad's like, benefits. <laughs> Legit. I was able to stay on my dad's benefits way beyond 21 because I was still in school because I was in law school. 
And it was the last thing I did because I knew his insurance, it was going to kick me off when I graduated. And that was like in a couple of months. So I got my IUD. It was the last thing I did on my dad's insurance because it would be covered. So, but, um, it's not the case for everybody and birth control is not no. accessible. Now, BC, shout out to British Columbia, come yes. April 1st this year, birth control contraceptives, including IUDs, the patch, the traditional pills and plan B are all free for any resident come April 1st, 2023. I think it's just a matter of time until all of Canada is like that. But also yeah, we I live in so Canada, too. right? We have... Healthcare like there were pads and tampons don't. at the school that I exactly. could get. You Whereas could go like, to places and get them for people. No, not everywhere. Right. And I, and think- when I went to college, I, I got benefits and mm-hmm. my mom uh, was able to apply for like social assistance and get me onto like her benefit plan. So I could get some prescriptions covered, although not all of them, like it was mm-hmm. still something, but like, yeah, that's not the reality for a lot of young women just starting out with their period or yeah. like people navigating their diagnosis, like going yeah. to see a naturopath is like, it's expensive. It's like $275 for your initial visit or something like that. It's like the average yeah. cost. It depends. Yeah. I think my initial visit was probably like 175, 200. Um, yeah. and then every, that's acupuncture, a lot of dough. <laughs> it is. And every ac- acupuncture visit, which is only, I only do 30 minutes is $70. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm lucky that I have my own insurance. And when I rip through my insurance, I then get it through my husband because we both have really good insurance packages. But that's not and the case for everybody. You're going to. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. people are going to rip through their insurance. I know mm-hmm. I do every year oh, and yeah. paying for stuff out of my pocket because yep. I need to like I have chronic pain and chronic stomach issues. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> it's like. And I think a lot of these videos and these doctors are in the States. They're in, a, they're in the U S where that's not the case. Like they don't have no. universal health care, and it's a lot harder to have health insurance privately in the States. And so these young girls, whether it's, they're saying no to birth control or not, or it's just not accessible to them. For any reason, whether it's money, whether it's their parents won't let them go on it, because that's another big thing too, right? Some parents won't let you go on birth control, whether it's because they're trying to protect you or they have different ideas of well, like a conceived notion that you're having sex like too early. Um, Yeah, there's there's two ways your parents not letting you on birth control can go. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So what are they going to do? They're going to listen to this doctor tell them to take gelatin, to drink liquid ibuprofen, to drink lemon juice. That's pretty cost efficient. Like if you think about it, it's like what? Like, I don't know, here in Canada, it's maybe like $10 for like 25 ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. And then like a box of Jell-O is like maybe $2. Yeah. So like that's cheaper than a box of tampons. It is. So, and plan B is expensive. Like that's like $50. Have you ever had to take it? And it's it? so awkward. You got to go to, yeah, oh yeah, a couple of times. I only have um, to take it one because time. Because I'm off birth control and my like fiance and I don't, we're not ready to have kids yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's happened and it makes you feel awful. And then you go up and you're like, um, hi, can I have uh, some plan B? Yeah, and, it's so awkward. <laughs> yeah. And, and pharmacies, like pharmacies are not a safe place for your personal information. No, because like, you're just like going up here. to the window. 
Yeah. You're like, like my hello. name is Amanda. I was born on this day and uh, this is my address. And if you want to come kill me, uh, this is when I will be home. Literally, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. There's so many people without a family doctor. Like yep. that's the other thing of going to get help that you need. Like not only is it like kind of daunting and like, you don't really know what's going on and you might be like, yeah, trying to like figure that out, but then mm-hmm. maybe you don't have a family doctor. Yeah. So, or you don't you have go a, a family pharmacy. doctor that you feel comfortable. That's a big yeah. thing too, right? Like totally. a lot of these things, like if you're not comfortable talking about your periods, talking about painful sex, talking about any of these things, the fact that you shit yourself in the mall last week because yeah. you ate something like it can have these whole other barriers. So whether you've had your family doctor for your whole life or you've only had them for a week or you go to a clinic, it's also just becoming comfortable with talking about these things, especially if you're trying to get diagnosed, which I think is easier said than done for a lot of people. Definitely. I'm the kind of person where I don't give a shit. I'll tell anybody. Hence why we started a podcast. Like I yeah. will tell any doctor, any, any nurse practitioner, any resident, I don't give a fuck. Like I literally don't give a flying fuck, but I also think it comes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I grew up where we just talked openly about those things. It's never bothered me to talk about those things where I could That's be seen. not the reality no. for a lot of people. I think I'm the Definitely weird one in, in this case. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that we are. And I think that's why, yeah, we instantly clicked. Cause like, (laughs) even too, like people, like, you know, when you first like start out a relationship with somebody, like I was living with roommates at the time before, like my fiance and I moved in together. And then they were like, I was just like, I let one rip like a big fart, like down (laughs) the hallway. And I was like, (laughs) and and, like, I usually do. You've seen it. Oh, I've seen it many (laughs) times. Yeah, yeah. Love so it. anyways, uh, like they look at you and they're like, oh, did you just do that in front of like a species of the opposite sex? Like, did you just like, fart? Yeah, everybody that farts. loud? And yeah. And it's like everyone yeah, farts and everyone poops. So everyone needs to just get over it. So Amanda, now that we've given everybody some background and a little taste of some of the convos we've always had, and we plan to have just a little taste, a little taste, a little cordura, a little, <laughs> just the tip. Um, I want to play a game with you and I want to preface it that we're still workshopping our games and Some of our episodes are going to be just Amanda and I talking like we did today. And then we're, of course, going to have episodes with guests in plethora of fields and lived experiences, not just endo, PCOS, celiac, like lots of other things as well, because we want this space to be about women's health periods, chronic illness writ large. We'll be having um, a guest really soon, actually. Right? Yeah, one of our first um, episode, first few episodes, we've got a couple of guests. 
um, that are like very in what they do or their experience or why we're going to have them on the combos we're going to have. You'll really and like them. I we like them. Really we like them. We're biased, <laughs> but I think you're going to like them too. Yeah. <laughs> and we're workshopping some games to play when we have guests on. So let's soft launch some of them and play with each other. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Drum roll, let's- please. <laughs> let's play a (laughs) little round of period would you rather all right are you ready i'm ready amanda period would you rather would you rather have to free bleed on your heaviest day or only wear extra large maxi pads for the rest of your life Oh, free bleed for sure. I would say the same thing. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I have like a horror story too with pads. Remember when my pad fell out in basketball? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. I would agree. I would also, I would pick, I pretty much do it anyways. So not on my heaviest day yeah. now, but near the end. of the. So now I'm going to ask you a poop. Would you rather to stay true to our poop diaries and yeah, real true origins of the pit podcast, Amanda poop. Would you rather, would you rather only have watery poops for the rest of your life or really hard ones that kind of hurt because they're just like strong as a rock? Oh man. Those ones. Hard here. ones? No, no. The watery for sure. You would pick the watery? Yeah. No I way. would rather that. No, no way. You'd rather the hard I would take actually though the ring of fire yeah. that you get after a watery poo sesh. So painful. And yeah. I literally had a watery poop two days ago. I actually pretty much pissed out my asshole. And honestly, there's more like tummy and intestinal twisting and hurting and noises that yeah. I, I would pick I would pick the hard painful ones all day every day because I was squatty that's potty fair. and they make it a little bit easier that's my life right now the runny poos like every day mm-hmm. do you have squatty it's potty like, uh no I don't need it I just shit a lot <laughs> no but a squatty much. Potty I told my doctor how feet. much I pooed and she was like um, like can we just talk eyebrows. about that at my age, I still at least four to five times a year Google how much you should poop in a day because I average like five to six. And then if it goes beyond that, I get a little worried and I'll always like Google it. Even though I know my average is too much. Yeah, your average <laughs> too much. So my first period question is, would you rather have a period that was super painful for three days or would you rather have a period that was very heavy accompanied with like PMS symptoms so like that depression or anger or like hard pass hard pass I would take the first one because that's like literally my life that's what I already have is like three days of pain and periods and then it's like kind of just calls it a day and events would you rather This is a poo question. Poo diaries. Would you rather be constipated on vacation or have diarrhea? Mm. Okay. I'm going to preface this with because I poop so often. 
my version of I feel constipated is if I've only gone two times in a day. <laughs> I don't actually, which is so funny because my mother is the opposite, where she'll go days without days without going to the bathroom. And I grew I would up with die. That. Yeah. I'm and she's always like, you and your father don't have any problem. Like, yeah, but I go too much. That is a problem. But if I'm on vacation and listen, I travel a lot. Me and my husband are avid travelers. We're globe tropping all the time. Globe trop globe globe trotting. <laughs> tropping. It is dropping all over the place. And um last in September, we were in Italy. <laughs> We were in Florence and we were at the Uffizi Museum, which is the most famous art museum, arguably in the world. And I had the shits to the point where I was having like the sweats. I was clammy. Uh, I couldn't stand up. I was hunched over in the, I shit four times in the Uffizi. (laughs) Yeah, Every few minutes I'd have to sit down and I'd be like, I need a bathroom. (laughs) I would have to. And you want to know why? It's a secret why. I told you early in this episode, I've been a vegetarian for seven years. But I told you I grew up eating Italian pork products. And I've been to Italy a few times. But this time when I was in Florence, it is where my childhood favorite cured Mm. meat is from, mortadella, which is considered a delicacy, which I didn't know that because I just grew up eating it. And there is a very famous sandwich shop (laughs) in Florence and they're most famous for their mortadella sandwich. Mm. And leading up to this trip, I was like to my husband, to my sister, should I do it? Should I just full send it? No one needs to know. I did. (laughs) And that was, that was a bad idea because that is why I died. It ruined you. It ruined me. Because it had been over seven years since I'd eaten pork. At least I, you tried it, though. You know, it like, was so good going down. I was yeah, like, oh. I bet. and then <laughs> the next day, dancing. literally, and then I went to the Uffizi the next morning and I shit myself four t- times. So that being <laughs> said, <laughs> I would think you rather I would, have diarrhea? I think I'd rather be constipated on on traveling. Uffizi 2.0. I don't no? want that. I don't think I want to do that ever again, uh, even though it was my own doing. I think I would choose constipated while traveling. I don't know, though. Uh, I would <laughs> choose that. I would choose that. <laughs> I think I would probably choose the same. Just having diarrhea enough times on vacation, it can or really, in like, everyday life. Yeah, in like everyday life, it can really ruin everything that's going on because, it like, can. the sweats is one symptom. Oh yeah, but like the pain and then the noise. People the noise. can hear your diarrhea. I'm in a silent, like, fancy Italian art museum that. Is and like no. the Medici's lived there, and my son was like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die. Also, too, like the traveling that we do, like, I don't sometimes we'll do like a lay in a beach at a resort, but that's not typically like we are typically traveling no, moving around where we're every few days we're t- changing cities, if not countries. Like, that's really the kind of traveling that we do. Yeah, it's not you don't always have a bathroom. That I'd rather no. be constipated when I'm out and about all day going museum hopping and uh, and stuff. Like, like, obviously, the bloat and stuff sucks with constipation. It but... does. But I think I would take that because I'm not always guaranteed a bathroom. And all the one-ply toilet paper. Please, can we talk Fuck. about the public restroom toilet paper? PSA. 
honestly, it makes scratching me, people's buttholes apart. It makes me mad. Yeah, it makes me mad. CPR, um, the toilet paper went like right over my nails. Oh my god. Okay, but the thing I love about being in Europe is there are bidets everywhere. Oh, and even yes. public bath, not all public bathrooms. It depends on where you are, but especially if you're eating like in a restaurant in They'll Italy, for example, they have bidets. And um, nice. they make it so nice. Oh my I, gosh, I that nice warm fan on your bum after we I'm should like we should PM. both we Ooh. should get that tushy company to sponsor us and give us those bidets for our toilets. <laughs> yeah, please. I would totally. I honestly, the place that I used to live in, um, it was a friend of mine who was a plumber, and he installed installed a, a a bidet in our bathroom and. God. And a heated toilet seat. Actually, you know, man, going poo on there, even if it was diarrhea, you were like, this is a safe space. One of my best friends, we went to high school together. She was my bridesmaid. She's also an avid traveler. She just did three months in Europe and is now doing a very similar thing in South America. Shout out Summer, God love her. When I would go to her house when we were like growing up, like in high school, because her parents we're like, she like, she's richer than my family. <laughs> and I would go to her house. Yeah. We all had, had a rich friend. <laughs> we had, Summer is my rich friend. And, um, they had a fancy toilet like that upstairs. Mm-hmm. It was heated. It had a bidet. And I was like, this is money. This is, is money. Time. And I would go there and I would, I would be like, I'm going to use her parents' fancy toilet. <laughs> It's and I so did. nice. It's so nice. Like, and I was like, this is how proper care to your butt. And your, right? well, actually too, your vagina, like and just like running some nice warm water mm-hmm. on there, taking care of yourself. Like, like this is how, nice. this is the goal. When I have money, I will too have a fancy toilet like that. <laughs> I think that's a wrap. Yeah, yeah, episode. we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. So thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. And yeah, until next time. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> That's a wrap from us at Pip. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on all the socials at the Pip Podcast at Periods and Pain. Also, don't forget to check out our weekly blog post every Sunday at periodsandpain.ca. Until next time, keep pipping. The Pip Podcast is a division of Periods and Pain. The Pip Podcast is produced and edited by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson. Social media by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson.